May this be in the name of our loving, liberating, life-giving God. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, quite an interesting story today in our gospel. Certainly not the typical picture of Jesus and the way that Jesus interacts and treats people uh, that we're used to. So first, context. Context is key. Jesus has been talking to the crowds and arguing with religious elite about ideas of purity, about what makes someone clean and what makes them unclean or impure. And he says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. Sadly, in Jesus' time, as in ours, ideas about pure and impure continue to influence our opinions and our judgments of others and ourselves. This is not the case with our good and loving God. And this is a continuing theme for Jesus throughout his life and teachings, his ministry on earth. Again and again, he breaks apart these commonly held ideas of cleanliness, worthiness, and preference. For many people in the first century, purity codes were an enormous part of their everyday lives. And in our times today, society's never-ending quest for one-upsmanship, I'm better than you, or we're better than them, or us, us, and them, have become ingrained into how we define ourselves over and against and in comparison with others. I remind you again that this is not the case with our good and loving God. All, all are clean, pure, worthy. All are beloved by God, created in the divine image, inherently good, inherently lovable. It is this idea that Jesus' interactions with this Canaanite woman spell out quite vividly for the disciples and for the readers of Matthew's gospel throughout time, and for us, I hope, this Sunday morning. Again, context is key. After Jesus' teaching about what comes from our hearts having the real potential to harm others and ourselves, Jesus heads away. He heads away from Jewish territory into a borderland, into the region of Tyre and Sidon, on the edge between Jewish and Gentile or pagan territories. Inhabitants of this region were natural enemies of the Israelites. And the woman who comes to Jesus is a Canaanite. Canaanites were polytheistic, believing in multiple gods. Jews were monotheistic, believing in the one God, Yahweh. And she was a woman, a Jewish, a non-Jewish woman, excuse me, daring to call out, to speak, to shout at Jesus. And so there are many taboos and biases at play here in this story. She shouts at Jesus, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. She seems to know who Jesus is, addressing him as Lord and son of David. And the fact that she's shouting at Jesus would imply that she's at a distance. She's keeping her distance. We know that she is a mother and that her daughter is not well. And she's crying out for mercy because she can't bear to see her daughter suffer for another instant. And what does Jesus do in response? What does Jesus say? 
nothing. Zero. What? Now, this seems quite out of character for Jesus, right? The woman is persistent. The disciples urge Jesus, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. And Jesus answers the disciples, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Imagine it this way. In these words of Jesus, in my idea, what do you want me to do? She's not a Jew. My mission is to gather God's chosen people, the Israelites. You know, I wish there was something I could do, but, you know. Hmm. Next, notice that the woman dares to approach, to get closer to Jesus, and she kneels before him and pleads with him for help, for mercy. Yet Jesus continues in this same line of thinking, what I would call society's line of thinking. And actually, he goes on to insult her quite badly. It is not fair to take children's food and throw it to the dogs. Ouch. Especially in Jesus' time, dogs were not the furry, fun pets, you know, that some of us have in our homes or even in our beds or up on the couch that we love like family members. No, they were feral dogs, mongrel packs, dirty. Is Jesus really calling this woman a dog? Is Jesus using derogatory language a slur? Well, yes and no. What I believe Jesus is doing here is confronting the disciples and others with their own biases, with their own judgments, with, the own, with their own ways of seeking to limit God, of attempting to place conditions on the unconditional love of God. I love what the Canaanite woman says. Yes, Lord, you're right. That is the way things work in our world. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's tables. Even the lowliest are entitled to the crumbs that those in power don't want or need or care about. Aha. Touche, I say, from this woman to Jesus. She has answered with a witty retort, and Jesus commends her. He hears her plea for mercy, and he heals her daughter instantly. Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Matthew tells us the daughter was healed instantly. Now, Jesus is commending this pagan woman's faith. This outsider, this non-Jew, this polytheistic woman is held up by Jesus as an example of faith and she is worthy. She is worthy for the instant healing of her daughter. Whoa, this is amazing stuff in this context. In Jesus' interactions with this woman, he shows, with her help, that faith worthiness, beloved status, chosenness are not limited to a specific group or ethnicity or even religion. Jesus is showing that with our good and loving God, it's not about purity. It's about what comes out of our hearts. It's about who we are, our divine identity as God's children created in goodness, in the love of God. 
towards the end of our Book of Common Prayer, around, uh, well, not around, exactly on page 845, is an outline of the faith, commonly called the Catechism. And it's an explanation of our Christian Episcopal faith, and it's laid out in the form of question and answer. Question and answer. It's really good. There's good stuff in there, and I commend it to you, page 845. And it's split up into different sections, different topics, and I want to share just a few of those with you today. Human nature. Question. What are we by nature? Answer. We are part of God's creation, made in the image of God. Question. What do we learn about God as creator from the revelation to Israel? Answer. We learn that there is one God, creator of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. Question. What does this mean? Answer. This means that the universe is good, that it is the work of a single loving God who creates, sustains, and directs it. Question. What does this mean about human life? Answer. It means that all people are worthy of respect and honor because all are created in the image of God and all can respond to the love of God. We are all of us a part of God's creation, declared good in the beginning of time, in the creation story in Genesis, and God saw that it was good, good, very good. We are all of us made in the image of our good and loving God, the creator God that made all that is seen and unseen. As a result of this, our universe is good, the creation of a good and loving God. And as a result of this, we are good, all of us. We are worthy of respect and honor because we're created by a good and loving God. God is with us and all around us, and God is within us. And this is why all of us are capable of responding to the love of God receiving God's love and returning it, giving thanks to God, sharing God's love with everyone from every place, every language and culture, every religion. All are called, all are included, all are loved. The prophet Isaiah says today's Old Testament lesson, speaking for God, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. Get ready. Watch for it. God's love is coming to gather each and every one of us into that loving embrace. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.